Mr. Ball, he will around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, you're listening to this on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. That's all one word, Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. Podbean.com. Um, if you want to, once you get done listening to this interview that's upcoming, go to our uh, go to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. Podbean.com, and you'll be able to download and listen at your leisure to over 150 uh, shows of <laughs> interviews with people from. Rick Mount, Kent Benson, Coach Gene Cady, uh, anybody who's played the game of basketball, coached the game of basketball, officiated, or just just has great memories of the ball game, of the great game from the state of Indiana. Uh, but at your leisure, uh, download those shows and listen to those shows. Today's guest is from one of my favorite city names in the state of Indiana, and that's Floyd's Knobs. Uh, Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. Uh, he played for Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame coach Joe Hinton and continued his career uh, coming down to Houston, Texas and being a, a, a rice owl, dabbled in uh, coaching in professional basketball, and I'm talking about John Witten. John Witten, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive and talk about your memories of the great game of basketball. Thank you, Billy. It's an honor to be here. So, who, so give us a little, you know, I, I've, I have interviewed people from every part of the state. Uh, give us a little bit of background of, uh, uh, of Floyd's Knobs, uh, where you were born and raised. Did your family, uh, was your family athletic? And what was your first introduction to the game of basketball in Indiana? Well, actually, uh, I was born in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and, uh, my father played high school basketball and was quite a player at Silver Creek High School in Sellersburg, Indiana. So I was reared for the most part in southern Indiana there, and Sellersburg is where I attended elementary school and uh, junior high school. Uh, was at Floyd Central Junior High in my seventh grade year, but uh, we moved back to Sellersburg my eighth grade year and uh, played junior high school basketball at Silver Creek, uh, junior varsity basketball my freshman year and then varsity basketball at Silver Creek my sophomore year before moving back to Floyd Knobs, Indiana uh, my junior year. So I actually had an opportunity to play for two separate Indiana High School Hall of Fame coaches and John Hinton Heaton and Joe he- Joe Hinton. So uh it's been a interesting run and and uh was exposed to a lot of outstanding basketball. Grew up in a town that uh was known for Coach Knight's first signee at IU and that would be uh Steve Green and then several <laughs> players and uh, probably, I guess, Coach Hinton's first uh, superstar high school player was Jerry Hale that went on to play for the University of Kentucky, and then uh, Coach Hinton has had several players from then on that's played at a number of Division One schools from uh, Alabama, Florida, Dayton, Wake Forest, 
uh, just to name a few. What was your first? Who who introduced you to the game? What was was it was it a, a high school game that you went to when you were little, or was did your dad introduce you to the game? Was it something you heard on the radio, watched on yeah. TV? No, it was uh, it was definitely my father. I remember uh, he made a basket for me. I was probably four years old, and he made a basket for me uh, that would was on a a foundational basketball standard uh, that was about probably six feet tall and the rim had a, a bell on it <laughs> and uh, was wooden bank board and I was probably four years old and he made that for me and uh, he played uh, like I said basketball at Silver Creek and then went on and played at North Carolina Wilmington for a couple of years so it was my father that uh, introduced me to the game, and I uh, graduated from the front porch basketball goal to the uh, the proverbial, as we only do it in Indiana, the uh, the basket on the side of the garage went from six feet to eight feet, and then uh, once I mastered the eight-foot hoop, then we went on up to ten foot. So <laughs> there were a lot of one-on-one -on -one games, and then kids in the neighborhood coming to the uh, to the house to play in the driveway as only we do it in Indiana. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, a lot of stories. How did you develop a, as a youngster? Uh, were you a pretty good size once entering junior high? And, and what were, what was your size when you uh, were a freshman at uh, Floyd Central? I was tall and thin. Uh, my father was six foot two and pretty well built. I... Uh, I was a little taller uh, for my class, I guess you would say, but um, I started out in elementary school at Ray Green, who was the head coach at Silver Creek at the time. He and the Optimus Club had a basketball camp on Saturday mornings at Silver Creek High School, and uh, he had varsity players and JV players my Saturday mornings up there teaching us fundamentals and the basics of two-hand chess passes with you know your thumbs down on the bounce pass and uh, snap your wrist on your chess passes and uh, we learned all the fundamentals basically there and then they were reinforced by our school coaches through elementary school and, and then obviously through junior high school. But I would say fundamentally I learned a lot of fundamentals from uh, Ray Green and, and uh, the tutelage of the varsity players there at Silver Creek. And then Joe Hinton, my coach at Floyd Central, he and my father uh, were longtime friends and played a lot of softball together and then also uh, – when I was born, I guess my dad was probably about 24 years old. So um, he was still active in playing adult league basketball uh, throughout southern Indiana and over in Louisville, Kentucky. So my father was an athlete. My mother, um, she was somewhat athletic, and, and my grandfather on her side of the family uh, played professional baseball. So Athletics and sport has always been a part of my life or our family's life. Uh, 
and it, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I've hoped to been able to share part of the knowledge that I've learned with other players, and and uh, uh, it's sport is and athletics uh, is great for character and friendships and relationships and business. It, was basketball your first love? Did you play any other sports? I actually, uh, the first two years I was at Silver Creek, I, I um, freshman year I played tennis, golf, and basketball, baseball and basketball. And actually, I did that my freshman and sophomore year. So I, I lettered, had four letters, four varsity letters my sophomore year and three my freshman year. I was a starting shortstop as a freshman at Silver Creek and I was the number one doubles player in tennis and then by the time I graduated at Floyd Central I uh, was the number one singles player in tennis most valuable player of the baseball team and basketball team what was your favorite so, baseball what was your favorite baseball team growing up growing up it was probably the Oakland A's uh, the A's were really good in the 70s and they were a team with personality and and uh, players had nicknames. They were colorful, and uh, I, I really liked Charlie O'Finley and and uh, the way he built the organization and how all the you know the ace players were just personalities. And uh, I have a tendency to like people that uh, have personality and, and a little bit of attitude. So. You know when I go when I go when I go Southern Indiana, nine out of ten of you guys say the St. Louis Cardinals. Thank God you didn't say that. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to say they they would probably be my second favorite team, <laughs> um, due in part to A. Ray Smith bringing minor league baseball back to Louisville and introducing you know partnering with the Cardinals and the Redbirds uh, coming back to Louisville and seeing such great players as uh, Willie McGee and Vince Coleman and Todd Zeal and Pagnazzi and there were just so many great Cardinals of those 80s teams that came up through uh, the Louisville organization and the, the Cardinal organization so prior to the Cardinals Louisville was the AAA affiliate of the uh, Boston Red Sox and they had the Louisville Cardinals Louisville Colonels there that later moved to Pawtucket and from what I understand this is the last year that the Colonels, well I guess they're the Red Sox in Pawtucket but it's the last year that they're going to play in Pawtucket so they're moving on somewhere else next year but um, I've always been a huge baseball fan uh, due in part <laughs> to my grandfather and, and uh, my father uh, in addition to basketball, he continued to play softball uh, up until he was around 50, I guess. So I was, as a young kid, I <laughs> was drug around to a lot of gyms and a lot of baseball, softball fields, uh, and uh, got to meet a lot of characters uh, throughout those uh, years of development. I would always be the bat boy on my dad's softball teams and uh, bother the players to hit me fly balls and stuff after the games were over. So I was always like a gym rat in basketball and, and uh, 
a kid that wanted fly balls and, and ground balls hit to him as a baseball player. I always had to be active playing. Uh, John, do you remember your first uh, um, high school basketball game that you attended, and 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 do you can you recall your memories about that game? You know, uh, I'm going to have to say the first high school basketball game that I attended. Uh, my father also officiated high school basketball in Indiana until I I made it to, until I reached junior high. So once I reached junior high and was still playing basketball, he he stepped aside, um, so I could continue to play. So so you would um, would, would you would you travel with him to go to uh, some of the games that he would officiate? I would. Uh, he would, and he also officiated over in Kentucky. And I remember uh, he and Dale Orem, who used who was uh, quarterback for the University of Louisville football team also the mayor of Jeffersonville, uh, the two of them teamed up and would go officiate games in Kentucky and I would tag along or when my dad was officiating in Indiana, I remember games, New Albany, Jeffersonville was a huge game at the old New Albany gym. Uh, dad going up or to Corden or Scottsburg or um, just Charlestown. I got to. Uh, it was interesting. I I got to a lot of to meet a lot of people in sport because of my father. And naturally, back then, Floyd Central um, was a big part. Dad had games at Floyd Central when I was a young kid. And parts of, as you know, in Indiana, when the officials would come to the gym. Nine times out of ten, it was the athletic director that would take the officials and walk them to their dressing rooms. So I got to meet a lot of athletic directors through those years as well. Um, Jim Barnes up at Scottsburg, um, Austin, uh, Crothersville, Henryville. It was uh, Jeffersonville, like I mentioned before, Clarksville. Um, Madison. It was. It was. Uh, I was privileged. I mean, it, looking back, I guess not until not until you raised the question did I really think about how much of an, uh, an influence that that actually played in my development and and uh, how much I enjoyed being in those gyms on Fridays and Saturday nights when they were filled with with fans and spectators and and. Uh, you got to see uh, the personalities of the coaches and the attitudes. And for me, I got exposure to, at a young age, to a lot of varsity basketball players. And and you grew up becoming fans of those guys, and you wanted to emulate them when you went out to the playground the next week at recess in elementary school. Uh, because if you look back or think about it, you know, we didn't have ESPN. You know, we had four TV channels, and you had a game game of the week on Saturday or a couple games. You had a Big Ten game usually, and either a Missouri Valley Conference game or an SEC game was all that was on TV. And as a basketball fan, you look forward to Saturday. So you could watch those games and then go to the play the schoolyard or 
someone's neighborhood gym uh, driveway and and uh, play basketball and try to emulate those guys or you listen to a lot of the games on the radio back then so you got familiar with the Kaywood Ledfords of the world from Kentucky and and just the voices of different universities uh, and high school Charlie Jenkins and Ted Throckmorton were the voice of Southern Indiana forever at WXVW uh, 1450 <laughs> um, I remember that like it was yesterday and uh, what memories that brings back. You know, most people don't really know what to expect or just hear rumors and stuff like that about what they're getting into with their high school basketball coach. So you were well prepared and ready with all the experience that you had with your dad with what you were going to have to handle and go through with Coach Hinton, correct? Indeed. And, and you know, what, was, what I really and truly appreciate from Coach Hinton is um, – even when I lived away or outside, people don't realize this about Coach Hinton. You didn't have to play for Floyd Central. Naturally, he he wants his teams to develop and, and improve. But uh, even when I didn't, we weren't living at, in the Floyd Central district. There were often times when we'd have open gym that kids from other schools would come up and want to play and you know coach might pull you aside and and show you some drills or something to work on because when you played for Joe Hinton he looked upon it his responsibility was to try to make you what he called a complete player and unlike today to me there's there's a lot of guys getting paid a lot of money that are unit dimensional and what I mean by that is they only have one tool in the toolbox they're great athletes don't get me wrong but they can basically only do one thing and Coach Hinton wanted you to be able to excel in all areas of the game be it you know you have to be the the goals in the center of the floor so you need to be able to do everything right-handed and left-handed you need to be able to block out and rebound you need you know, make solid passes, the basics of the game. But he loved uh, he loved for us to shoot. And uh, I don't ever recall him ever <laughs> telling anybody not to shoot. He might, he might say we can get a better shot, but he would never tell you don't shoot. Uh, and back then was a time that we tried to play racehorse basketball. We that rebound outlet let's go or rebound it take it yourself uh but he he was amazing and to me there were a lot of things that we did in practice that he was ahead of his time in um, conditioning and the way practices were run and organized and uh you know as a player at that time all you know is what you know and it's not until you get to see other programs or go to college. I mean, that you get to college, most universities, that's where most of the teaching of the game is learned as far as uh, being a tactician of the game. At least that's how it was for me at Rice because we didn't always have the best athletes. Though one of the things... We were in the Southwest Conference, and, and 
we actually had one year we had six guys on our team from Indiana. So we recruited the Indiana area extremely hard, but um, we had we had to recruit and find players that knew the game of basketball. I, I played in an era where I had a teammate that was Ricky Pierce that played for 16 years in the NBA, but also was in the Southwest Conference uh, when Olajuwon and Drexler and, and uh, LaSalle Thompson and, and so many other, Benny Johnson, Terry Teagle, John Koncak, I go on and on with Alvin Robertson. Guys that played substantial careers in the NBA were in our conference. And uh, the thing, even though we at Rice, we were always in the bottom half of the conference for the most part, my career there, the four years that I played, we always beat a top 20 basketball team. So it wasn't like we were the door. I mean, in some years we were the doormats of the league, but we always we beat a top 20 team every year. Notre Dame, Arkansas, Texas. I mean, and back then the Southwest Conference was arguably one of the top four. Actually, I think it was one of the top two or three conferences in the country, uh, just due to the number of players we were putting into the league. And uh, it was. Uh, it's it's been interesting uh, to to learn and the development. My uh, my college coach that signed me, Mike Schuler, went on to be a Larry Brown assistant, and uh, ended up being NBA Coach of the Year of the Portland Trailblazers. So the things that I've been able to learn and experience from my different coaches have been just priceless. But Coach Hinton. Uh, and and Coach Heaton too. Uh, Coach Heaton grew up in the at IU and was a, a night a student of Coach Knight's games. And we we ran and executed the passing game and and man to man defense, uh, run and jump defense on a, a full court pressing and things like that. But where Coach Hinton, uh, we had a full bag of tricks of, uh, and what I mean by that is. We played multiple defenses, uh, and, and t- Coach Hinton was really a tacticianer of the game. We were going to be in great shape. We were never going to lose due to fatigue uh, just because of the way we practiced. And our, our practices were spirited, and we all got along, but we had fun. And uh, But Coach Hinton wanted to make sure that you know we learned something every day, as did Coach Heaton. Uh, both incredible men. Uh, Coach Heaton left Silver Creek and went to Shelbyville and had uh, a remarkable career as the head coach at Shelbyville. And uh, he was just inducted into the Indiana Hall of Fame, I think, about six months ago. So um, my career and memories of Indiana high school basketball um, – I get nostalgic from time to time, and and when I am back in Indiana, um, usually it happens on a Sunday afternoon, but uh, I'll drive around. I was lucky. uh, I had a cousin that was 16 when I was 13, and he went to to Clarksville High School, played JV basketball there, and was a baseball player primarily, 
but uh, he would come pick me up on Saturdays with another one of my cousins, and we used to drive around Sellersburg, Clarksville, Charlestown, and New Albany looking for games, and I would always, I was, like I mentioned earlier, I was a, a young skinny kid, but um, you always had to sit and wait until you had next in these pickup games. And being a, a, a young skinny kid, no one knew who I was except for my cousins, and they knew how good I was at a young age. So when they got next, naturally they would pick me, and then we'd pick up a couple guys off the losing team. And uh, it was there that I truly, I think, learned how to play basketball. Because as a young kid, if you lost, you know, it was going to be a long time before you got to play again. So it was important for me to learn if I took a shot, you better make it. If you want the ball, you better either rebound it or steal it because the older guys aren't going to pass it to you. And if you miss it, you're never going to get it back. And uh, so that's where you learned how to play really with others and accept your role on the team was on the playground. And I think so many kids today have lost that because of AAU basketball. And to me, it's just a vanilla brand of basketball. You know, everybody runs the four out, high, high pick and roll, beat your man on a dribble, go spot up and, and knock down a three. Well, that's, you know, that's not much strategy. Uh, it's, it really isn't much talent and there's no creativity to it. So to me, it, the game's lost a lot of its flair and personality. But don't get me wrong, the kids can play, and they're extremely athletic. Uh, but uh, to have the guys that are truly solid, fundamental basketball players, they're still few and far between. A lot, they're a lot more difficult to find today than they were. So tell us a little bit about your um, high school career. Well, I uh, like I mentioned, I started as a sophomore at, at Silver Creek High School, and uh, I started actually became a starter, I think, in the third third game of the season, and I was about 6'3 as a sophomore and played high post mostly and was the distributor of the basketball and we had a really good player on our team Rick Hobbs who's, who was the father of Brayden Hobbs that played at New Albany and, and still playing for, and went on to be player of the year at Bellarmine Division 2 and won a, a National Division 2 championship at Bellarmine and Brayden Hobbs is still playing over in Germany right now, but uh, Rick was our scorer. He led the county, Floyd and Clark Counties. He led Floyd Clark County in scoring my sophomore year, and I led the team in assists. I would rebound and, and uh, like I said, distribute the ball. So I got to play with some really good players there at Silver Creek, and we won the Madison sectional. This precedes uh, classification basketball, so uh, I actually was the first 
son to win a sectional uh, as my father won uh, the first sectional at Silver Creek. He was, and my dad was at that time really the best basketball player in Southern Indiana. And from what I've heard through the years, he was quite a showman. Uh, but uh, so after uh, sophomore year, we moved and I started playing at Silver, or I'm sorry, at Floyd Central for Coach Hinton. And I had really good teammates there. Uh, Dr. Denny Jenkins was a teammate. Uh, Jer- Larry Schellenberg, who was the third brother in the succession of the the great Schellenberg family from the Knobs and Floyd Central. And uh, we uh, we had some really big games through the years there. Uh, we won the sectionals each each of the years that I was at Floyd Central. Um, we always played very difficult schedules. We would always play Louisville Ballard, who was uh, – generally the number one team in the state of Kentucky. They would always be tough for us. A lot of athletes on the team and normally a lot of Division One players uh, have come through Ballard and later on in my career I was lucky enough to be an assistant uh, head coach at Ballard under Scotty Davenport and we won uh, we were state runners up our first year together in state championship or state champs of Kentucky our second year. We had and that was Alan Houston's sophomore and junior years. Uh, but to answer your question, um, Floyd Central uh, was was a trying time for me because my senior year in our second game of the year, which was against Ballard, I was, um, was in the fourth quarter, I think. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, I had the basketball and I got tripped and player fell on top of me and I actually broke my arm. So I missed a number of games my senior year. I think it was a total of six games, possibly eight. But I was in a full cast for two weeks and then a half cast for two more weeks. Then I tried to come back and play. We played Corton on a Friday night and then Jeffersonville on a Saturday night and um, my first night back I recall I then got 30 points against Corden and I had a dunk and I don't know like 12 points but I, first jump shot I took in a Jeffersonville game I got whacked right across where the arm was broken and uh, was in excruciating pain I kept playing and, and we beat Jeffersonville but uh, on Monday morning, my arm was back in a cast for a couple more weeks. And then uh, probably for me, uh, my highlights of my Floyd Central career was playing against New Albany. <laughs> um, I always had great games against New Albany. Average 30 points a game against them. And, and uh, uh, the last game of my high school career was in the finals of the Seymour Regional uh, where New Albany was number one in the state. We were unranked, I think. And uh, I scored, New Albany beat us, but I scored 37 points. It was uh, 14 of 18 from the field and and uh, 9 of 9 from the free throw line. Had 
I think nine rebounds, nearly actually nearly a triple double. But if I'm not mistaken, and my running mate Larry Schellenberg, he had 28 points. But I want to say the score, final score, was like 98-87, something like that. But uh, we scored a lot of points, and and uh, the New Albany team had seven Division One players on it, and then. They were ranked number one, made it to the state finals, and got beat by Broad Ripple, I think, in the final championship game that season. Well, just to let you know, John, I'm a Broad Ripple Rocket, so I just, you know, I didn't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> I, I did not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you can, you, can, you can correct me, but I think I think you guys got New Albany in the championship game that year, 1980. That That is correct, and it was, you know, I was sitting here thinking about, you know, you know, it's like it does, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one here to hear it, does it make a noise? You know, what if right. you guys, what if you guys would have beat New Albany? Would 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 Broderpool have have won that 1980 state championship? You know, ifs, nuts, candies, and butts. But uh, and and let's go back. Uh, and Larry just recently passed away, right? No, no, no. Uh, Larry's son Connor did. Okay. He was uh, he was in an accident, unfortunately, and I knew Connor such a great kid and um uh brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it he um a wonderful kid played hard um wasn't wasn't as talented athletically as larry uh, wasn't as tall as larry but had a heart of gold and, and scrapped and clawed and i mean he you know he he possessed that winning Schellenberg gene, and and uh, um, you know we're the world's a uh, little less fortunate that little Connor's not around anymore. But uh, Larry, I believe, lives in Dayton, Ohio uh, now, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what he's doing. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it was about a year ago. Uh, it's about a year ago that Connor passed away. John, so when did, when did um, Rice come a-calling for you, and did your injury kind of probably set you back a little bit on the recruiting scale? Uh, what other places could you have possibly gone, and was basketball your only route? Could you have gone baseball? I pro- well, I, I, pro- I could have gone baseball. Coach Hinton, um told me several years later that, uh, Coach Hedden was actually a good baseball player himself. But he told me several years later, no doubt you could have played pro baseball. But, um, you know, where would your career ended at the pro level? Uh, I, I grew up playing shortstop, and so I was a tall, kind of the Cal Ripken mode. But um, I, my, to answer your question, Rice started recruiting me my sophomore year i was i was in the honors program so academically i was fostering that career you know i knew academics was a big part of what was going to have to happen after basketball but um the first two letters i actually got was from ole miss and rice and to answer further answer your question there's no doubt the injury impeded progress but the performance that I had against New Albany 
um, it was kind of, you know, it was late, but I had the offers from all the OBC schools, the Missouri Valley schools, uh, Louisville had recruited me, um, throughout my career. Um, uh, I honestly, I, I got a questionnaire from IU, but I didn't send it back in, um, <laughs> which is probably not an answer, <laughs> the answer you wanted to hear. <laughs> but um, I, you know, where Floyd's Knobs is and its uh, location there near Louisville, I grew up a Louisville fan because uh, Greg Duzer played at Floyd Central three years before me and went to the University of Louisville. And I grew up a Denny Crum fan because I liked John Wooden. And UCLA was my father's favorite team when Coach Wooden was there. And, and what I liked about Louisville was the athleticism. They tried to run and they pressed. And I liked that style of basketball. I wasn't really – wasn't the type of guy that uh, – liked IU style basketball I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't the quickest guy ever on the floor and I, I mean I wasn't don't get me wrong I wasn't afraid of hard work but I liked uh, oddly enough I asked Alan Houston this this summer uh, I liked running more of a structured offense rather than a bunch of random movement and uh, that's the way I coached. I like, to put it in perspective today, I like Michigan State because I like Tom Izzo and the way he runs offense and defense. Uh, I like Coach K because he is not so fixed in his mindset as a coach that he changes according to his personnel. You know, Duke today is just get me the five best players in the country and, and we'll make a team. And Calipari's kind of the same way at Kentucky. Uh, whereas Coach Izzo is still, I need a five, I need a four, I need a post player. You know, he he has particular roles and types of players he's looking for. Granted, he wants the best at all those five positions just like everybody else does. But uh, he, as a coach, takes more control over what's going on out there on the floor uh, as opposed to just a bunch of random movement. And that's that's the style of basketball that I like playing. It was more of a – it's more of what the NBA truly is and how, for, you know, how they operated. Uh, you always ran a set. It, it might it, – within that set, there's – plenty of opportunity for isolations but there was you always started out of a set whereas today what I see at the NBA level is just the graduation of what AAU has presented particularly if you um, watch the Houston Rockets I mean it's just AAU personified at the highest level now did you know what you were getting into weather wise coming down to play at Rice in Houston's weather or did they kind of fool you and bring you down during the winter time to make you feel really good about the situation no I actually I first 
where I first saw Rice was uh, my junior. Well, it was my senior year. I didn't see him at Rice, and it was kind of it was an unofficial visit. But Vanderbilt was recruiting me too. So um, my senior year, Vanderbilt and Rice played one another at Van- in Nashville at Vandy. So I went. My mother and I and, and Coach Hinton went down to that game. And ironically, it was like the second, uh, it was the same week or about the same week in which I had broken my arm. So it was a, a shock to everybody there. But uh, because in the game that I broke my arm against, it was kind of a who's who in the gymnasium because Ballard had two seniors, Jimmy Lenz and uh, Alan. Uh, Alfonso Miller uh, that were Division One players being recruited by most everyone and then myself was recruited by a lot of people and then we had you know Larry Schellenberg was a junior a year behind us so um, there were probably 15 Division One coaches at that game that night and uh, so with me breaking my arm late in the game you know, all the coaches were in the dressing room after the game was over, and we're, we couldn't tell them anything. We we had one of a world class trainer in Glenn Snow that uh, kind of looked things over, and he said, "Well, as soon as we get back to school, we're going to get them to the hospital." I mean, it wasn't like my my arm was just hanging or anything like that. It was just a. a slight fracture of the ulna but it was just you know painful and all that kind of stuff but uh it uh but uh rice did not uh bring they brought me down in spring uh the weekend of the basketball banquet and uh campus was beautiful as a matter of fact my best friend from high school was just in town uh last night uh on business and the first time he'd ever been to Houston, and uh, he wanted to go see campus, so we uh, took a tour of campus, and I showed him all the athletic facilities, and then the campus as a whole, and he was just very impressed with the live oak trees that line campus and overhang all the roads, and uh, he said, man, this is just absolutely stunning, and the architecture, and it's a beautiful campus right on Main Street across from the world's largest hospital complex and uh, it's it's a little bit of uh, of heaven amongst a lot of mass hysteria around the rest of the town <laughs> but uh, it it uh, the people that uh, hosted me on my visit I narrowed my final two choices was Rice and University of Florida and the assistant coach at the University of Florida at the time was another, actually, Indiana high school great, uh, Monty Tao. And uh, Monty had recruited me, and, and uh, later on, as fate would have it, I was coaching in the Global Basketball Association, and, and uh, so was Monty. So we got to coach against each other. But uh, it was a bad... I really liked the University of Florida but it was a bad time um, it was going to be Norm Sloan was coming back to Florida, Monty was an assistant, uh, they had completely cleaned house 
It's going to be 15 new players, though. The O'Connell Center was brand new. It would have been the first season to play in that. And uh, you just didn't know what you're walking into. And the, the people at Rice had, had stood behind me from uh, from day one and, and started early. And I guess I uh, had a great deal of loyalty to those people because of that. But my visit was incredible. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my post on my official visit uh, he's actually chairman of the board at Rice today so we just we just didn't have basketball players we developed leaders <laughs> and it's an incredible school and so, so when you got to Rice were were you a little bit nervous did you get homesick homesick from the outset uh, uh, and and did it take you a little while to get used to the Houston weather and the Houston scene and and how did uh, and how was basketball from that point on at uh, with your rice career also I w- honestly I never got homesick I've always been interested in new things and uh, when I came down was moving here for for a week, our week, uh, as part of the movement, one of my best, one of my teammates from from right uh, from Floyd Central, he came down with me, helped me move in, and uh, when I came to Rice, that was when Urban Cowboy had just come out during the summer, and and uh, you know I was I was where that happened, so um, Houston was. To me, it was a it was a new city. All the buildings were new and shiny, and and uh, it was just very attractive. There were just so many things. A kid, you know, coming from a small town like Floyd Knobs, Indiana, to Houston was like coming to Oz. Um, if I used to tell my buddies that would come down for spring break that you know if. If you can't find it here in Houston, it's only because it hasn't been in, invented yet. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's the Roy's, Rolls Royce dealership, there's the Ferrari dealership, there's houses as big as Clarksville or Charl- I mean, it's just you know it's Texas at its finest, and uh, you know people here are very nice, prideful. Houston is one of the, if not the most diverse cities in the country, one of the most. Uh, we have, there's 126 different languages spoken here. Um, it's just an amazing place, but to be honest with you, I moved down here four years ago, and up until that time, I'd never spent a summer in Houston. <laughs> even as a... So yes, it, uh, so it's it was a rude awakening four years ago, but as a player, I was never here during the hottest times. So when we would go through preseason conditioning and we were running on the running one hundreds and two hundreds on a rubberized track at one hundred thirty five degrees on the track, yes, it was humid and stifling, and uh, if you could make it through that, you could withstand anything. So we. Um, uh, Houston's a great town. Uh, I had to suffer through the hurricane last year. I got hit, uh, lost a lot of property, uh, personal items and effects because of it. But you know, we we've rebounded. The city's rebounded. People have helped from all over. I had one of my baseball teammates and and a girlfriend from back in Louisville 
they got together um, and helped instrument they were very instrumental in arranging for six semi trucks of water and women's items and baby items to be shipped down here to Houston um, to help in the situation my my friend Doug Briscoe and uh, 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 Mandy Bryant were both just huge or Brandy Bryant were just huge Albrecht was uh, just incredible in their outreach and my friends in Louisville and instrumental in trying to help people down here and uh, you know I'm very blessed and thankful for that and uh, it's uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing place but it is hot I mean it was 93 degrees here yesterday um, it's still hot <laughs> <laughs> did your did your arm injury um plague you or bother you during your career at Rice? Can, can you chat a little bit about your basketball career at uh, as an owl? No, it was fine. Uh, it was my left hand, which actually, I pra- even though I was in a cast at Floyd Central, I practiced in the cast every every day. <laughs> um, our trainer would pad it up and and uh, <laughs> my teammates would, you know, force him left, force him left. So I would I learned how to go left only in a, like a crossover format. I would take a dribble to the left and kind of bang it back to my right hand and then go right, but um, learn to implement. Uh, but at Rice, unfortunately for me, I did have back surgery my freshman year and was in a body cast for six months. Oh, my goodness. And that held me back some. Um I had a pretty good freshman year at Rice. Uh, my sophomore year was uh, not the type of year that I would want. Uh, a guy was playing in front of me that ended up transferring, uh, which kind of wasted both of our years. And then I, I began starting my junior and senior year. And uh, we had we had good... Uh, like I said earlier, we had good experiences. Uh, we were never the best team in the conference. I went from a shooter to more of a distributor and passer. Um, and you know, we we made it a point, well, three, I guess three of those four years, we beat top five teams. So we weren't terrible. <laughs> we just happened to be in a very strong conference at the time. And that was back when the NCAA tournament only had 48 teams, and not like today where the you know the Big Ten can get nine teams in there, and or the ACC can get eight teams. I mean, there was you know none of that nonsense existed back then. And uh, I, I'm having come from a small school, um, I think those teams in those larger conferences. Uh, Personally, I don't think they're deserving of making the tournament by going less 500 or less in their own conference. I think uh, some of the mid-majors uh, should have more runner-ups or somebody gets hot and upsets the favorite or upsets the regular season champion in the conference tournament and knocks them out. You know, that that nullifies the reason to even have a season. And I think 
when that happens, you know, you still need to reward the team that had the best conference season, and that's not dictated in a weekend. And I, 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 I yell out and clear for the for the little guy. I've always kind of pulled for the underdogs, and always will because Rice is always going to be an underdog. Um, John, what was your degree in? And as you got closer to the end of your senior year, did you did, did you even have any idea of what you wanted to do? Did you want to stay in basketball? Did you have a plan? Uh, well, my degrees were in uh, political science and what is now kinesiology at Rice. Um, it was human performance and health science is what it was called when I graduated. We really didn't have summer school at Rice. And there wasn't any classes that were off. There were a lot of, say a lot, there were a few architectural classes, maybe an English class or two, and possibly a couple of engineering classes that were offered in the summer months. But when I was at Rice, there was not really, no one had some, no, no one at Rice athletes or student athlete wise attended summer school. We might have taken a class at another school somewhere else and had it transfer into Rice, but it had to be approved before you could do that. And you were limited back then to only six hours could come from another university. So we had to get all our hours, you know, in the spring and summer or spring and fall semesters. Um, unlike today, now today, um, our student athletes are fortunate enough to to be able to take hours during the summer, and there's two sessions, so um, that is a tremendous help to keeping you on schedule. And as a matter of fact, one of our basketball players, Connor Cashaw, he graduated in three years. Um, so you know, we it's it's a different world now. But uh, to further answer your question. Uh, when I graduated, did I know what I wanted to do? Not really. Um, secondly, I really didn't know if I wanted to stay with basketball or be around basketball. Um, the end of my career was bittersweet, um, but uh, I, I cherished the memories and the friendships and the relationships that I built through basketball and my Rice brother and um, but uh, career-wise, I, I moved in, actually went back to Louisville, and, and uh, Coach Davenport at Ballard asked if I'd like to be one of his assistants. At that time, he was an assistant at VCU, and uh, it had been, uh, and that's where I got back into basketball. But I was in sales, uh, helped to uh, with a startup at, at a company named Louisville Crown back at the time, and we introduced Evian bottled water and Snapple to the uh, to the state of Kentucky and Southern Indiana. And uh, so I, I I thought you know I, you you don't go to Rice to be a basketball coach; you go to Rice to do something <laughs> else other than than athletics. But um, having Having been around basketball and, and that been a big part of my life, um, ironically, I'm trying right now. I'm trying to get back in it. <laughs> um, 
I uh, went out to the Las Vegas, the NBA Summer League this summer, and I'm in discussions right now with the Houston Rockets about some opportunities. So um, who knows? I mean, it's a crazy world and and, uh, could come full circle. Tell us about your stint with the Louisville Shooters. Okay. That was, uh, you know, that was a great... uh, that was a great time in my life, actually. I mean, we didn't we didn't make any money doing it, but what a plethora of knowledge that I gained. Uh, got to uh, the head coach at the time was Johnny Newman, who was the first player ever to go hardship uh, into. He went to the ABA, and ironically was was uh, drafted by the Memphis Tams and signed a million dollar contract as a. 19-year-old, I guess he was. Uh, and Charlie Finley uh, owned the Memphis Tams back then, the old, uh, the owner of my old favorite baseball team, Oakland Athletics. So um, I, I got to work with Johnny. He played in the ABA, played in the NBA, uh, knew a lot of people. He was uh, such a personality. Um people really didn't know how to handle or deal with Johnny and Johnny really didn't know how to deal with people because he was you know he was the first he's 19 years old he's a very smart guy but I uh, grew up in Memphis Tennessee uh, Larry Finch and him were adamant rivals and uh, so Johnny uh, taught me a lot about the NBA game and we had uh, general managers from the NBA come in and, and help us in our evaluations of players and uh, we coached her uh, and later I, I got to coach uh, like Milt Wagner, Jerome Harmon from Louisville, Reggie Hansen from Kentucky, um, Eldridge Rickasner who played at the University of Washington but in a, he was he played uh, seven years I guess in the NBA after we had him um, Alfred Hughes was a lot third round, third pick in the first round. He was a lottery pick for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Darrell Porter, that uh, was known, he gave the assist to Jerome Lang. That uh, uh, what is the color commentator's name uh, from up east? But it uh, coined the phrase "send it in, Jerome." Uh, uh, Bill Rafferty. Bill Rafferty, yeah. Uh, Darrell was part of that team, Jerome Lang. So we uh, we were around a lot of great players. We had Joey Wright that uh, actually is coaching in Australia now. Um, Eldridge does some ESPN or Fox Sports work now uh, out of Seattle. Uh, the travel was not good. I mean, it was we traveled basically like a probably a triple double A baseball team a lot of bus stuff but uh, the experience I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and as a matter of fact I'm still in touch with a lot of those guys that were on our, our team Derek Smith was the head coach then the next year and unfortunately Derek and I I knew Derek from the time that uh, he was a player at Louisville and Louisville was recruiting me um, and then uh, when Louisville was recruiting me Rodney uh, Rodney McRae was drafted by the Rockets in the first round. So Rodney and I 
became really good friends when he was here with the Rockets and I was playing at Rice. So um, it's been uh, it was you know the travel was not good, but the personalities and and I learned so much about the game of basketball, at least playing it at the NBA level because of that league. You know, I grew up a Kentucky Colonels fan and got to see, you know, all the great players that came up through the ABA, Dr. J, the Iceman, uh, Artis Gilmore, Issel, uh, Nedelecki, Mount, Billy Knight, McGinnis, uh, I think I mentioned Dr. J, Don Chaney, uh, George Gurman. I mean, there were just so many great players that came up through Roger Brown that came up through the ABA that, you know, as the merger took place, uh, those great players were absorbed by the NBA. But uh, what uh, what a time. I mean, really, literally, um, those were great years of basketball. And uh, my experience with the shooters, um, I, have, I have to say, even though it was, you know, considered by many as minor league basketball, um, some outstanding players and several players in that league ended up playing in the in the NBA, and then most of them uh, went back to Europe or uh, Japan or Australia and played over there at, when the league dissolved. What does John? How does John Witten feel about the game of basketball now in the state of Indiana and the state of college basketball within the United States now? Oh, um, in the state of Indiana, I think I think it's healthy. Uh, I I'm not I oppose the class system for basketball. <laughs> I'll make that perfectly clear. Um, I think basketball still a sport that that little you know that little Floyd now that little town. Um, every decade or so might have the three good players necessary to help take you to the next, you know, make the state tournament. Um, live the dream. But uh, I think, you know, the, the smaller the smaller schools at tournament time, I mean, those were the ones that drove the tournaments. You had the upsets. And like I said before, I'm all, I've always been for the little guys, so I guess I still am um, even you know going back to that subliminally um, but uh, as far as college basketball is concerned you know it, the shoe companies and everything being so money driven today uh, it, it's kind of turned ugly but I think you've got a lot of smart people in high positions that ultimately they'll figure it out but um, it's like our former football coach here at Rice used to tell me he said John God sent three wise men to the majors uh, to the manger he didn't send three smart men to the manger (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I said yeah coach you got a point there so you know they're, they're with with experience comes wisdom, you hope. And 
Coach Wooden was a firm believer in you have to learn from your mistakes, and hopefully we can learn from all the, uh, that's going on here and uh, make things right. Uh, there is you know, there is so much money going to these top tier schools, and and the universities have started. You know, they, well, they've used athletics as their PR firm for a lot of the universities. And when athletics first entered into intercollegiate activities, it was truly designed to be a social element for the college experience and give the kids and people of the community something to do on Saturdays. And now that, you know, like anything else in a country such as ours, if there's an opportunity to make a dollar by doing it, then we're going to make a dollar by doing it. So the the belief that everyone, that the athletes should be paid, I understand that, but not all universities can afford to do that. And I use Rice as an example. We have over a $5.5 billion endowment, and we have right at 5,000 students. That includes grad school. Now, Rice does not, the athletic department does not get the types of money that a lot of these other schools get from their university to drive their athletics. Rice Athletics has to drive itself. So, but the types of students that Rice recruits is not the type of student that is so uh, athletic friendly. <laughs> so, a lot of the money that goes to the university, it's not intended for athletics. So, Rice is always going to be an academic first school, and I'm proud of the university for being that because I believe that was the intentions of sport in the university setting though um, it gives a number of kids an opportunity to continue to play a sport they love and have an incredible education paid for uh, by attending Rice we're in in a good conference we an opportunity for kids to see and, and learn about other cultures and experience other parts of the country but um you know, eventually they'll get it figured out. It's never, there's nothing in this world that's fair or equal. So to believe that they'll ever come to a fair logical conclusion is ludicrous. But there's a way and means to make it more competitive. And I think that's, that's what needs to be corrected. Do you work with the university now? And uh, if you don't, what 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 does John Witten do right now? I executive director of the R Association is what I had done recently. Um, I'm leaving that position, um, pursuing other interests. Um, part of my role was engaging through the university and our development department former athletes and letter winners to increase uh, participation uh, of our letter winners, be it through 
attendance monetarily, uh, sponsorships, uh, endowment, uh, scholarship, in, uh, interning, uh, mentoring, uh, interacting with our student athletes, uh, showing them opportunities uh, beyond athletics and beyond rice. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a great situation for me uh, because this is, you know, right, this is my school. And honestly, as entrenched as I was as a student athlete here and as many friends um, that I made at Rice as a student athlete, I probably had, and I knew all the athletes, I mean, there's only 330 of them now. Um, that um, I probably have more friends that were non-athletes, and um, we've stayed close. And I, I've been a freshman advisor here at Rice for the last four years, and that's um, that's taking incoming freshmen from our college. Our we don't have a Greek system here at Rice; we have a college system. So by saying that, our colleges are like the dorm everybody's assigned to a college so by eliminating the Greek system and the academics being so difficult here at Rice that's just one stress that's removed by not having to pledge a fraternity or a sorority and and getting caught up in all those social aspects of things because the college setting does have its own social personality and you have intramural sports through your colleges. Uh, you have your events through your colleges, your social events. And uh, I, by being a freshman advisor, I um, running low on battery power here. But by running, <laughs> by by uh, being a freshman advisor, there's usually one athlete, one student athlete in my freshman group. So. It gives me an opportunity to keep my finger on the pulse of the university as it's seen through the eyes of non-athletes. And what those students expect Rice to produce and how they expect Rice to perform and what they believe Rice expects from them as a student. and. So part of my job in, in that is I try to get my freshman group involved with my student athlete. And we, on Fridays, we have lunch together. And uh, you mentioned, did I get homesick? Well, back when I was a student at Rice, we, you know, nutrition was not as big a deal back then with the athletes as it is today. I mean, you never went hungry naturally, but to have a nutritionalist on your athletic staff was unheard of. But we only had training table during our season. And we had what we called family-style dining, and you ate in your college with your college peers out of season. So there were eight people to a table, and you sat down like a family, and it wasn't like all the athletes sat over here on this side of the room and the non-athletes over here. Most of the non-athletes at that time 
wanted an athlete at their table and that allowed them to interact with the athlete because those students knew how difficult the academics were for them only to know how many hours a day that the student athlete is away from the library or away from the room studying but you know representing rice on a field or a court somewhere so it that person became a human to them it just wasn't well, that's the jock that's in my political sci class or um, poli sci class, or that's the jock that's in my engineering class or my philosophy class or something. It humanized us. And that was a way that us, we at student athletes made friends and got our friends to come see us play our events, our games. And it, it made for a family type atmosphere and one of the things that I uh, pound home to my freshman group is you know society has proven the households that are most successful are those that sit down once a day and have a meal together whether it's breakfast in the morning or dinner at night and uh, you know being away from your family this now becomes your family so it's important that you meet your brothers and sisters here and, and, you know, share your problems, share your experiences, share your successes, um, because you all need to hear those things. And it's, it's very important and to me. That's the real world. And that's how you grow. You can learn, you learn your trades in the classroom, but you learn humility by dealing with people. And uh, that's the way relationships are built. And these are going to be relationships that are carried with you for the rest of your life. John Witten, I ran long on you. I appreciate it uh, for to help well, keep I, the nostalgia alive. I think everyone will enjoy this. This was fantastic. Well, thank you. And, and it truly is an honor. And uh, you give me the floor <laughs> And I'm passionate about uh, my school and my sports. So we've hit, you've hit the nail on the head with me, and, and I can't truly tell you how, how much I appreciate this.